It's official. April really sucked. This is way over our heads. It's Weather and Climate Podcast. I'm Jim Dubois. Kenny Blumenfeld's a climatologist. Kenny, I think that's one thing in this age of division. That's one thing that I believe all Minnesotans would probably agree with. Oh, I am. Hi, Jim. Good to hear <laughs> hi, from you. Good to see you. I totally agree. Yeah. Uh, you know, your title, that says it all. April really sucked. It was a um, very unpopular month. One of the most unpopular months of my career, honestly. I, I mean, I, I think that, you know, when you get a difficult winter month, people actually take that in stride because they say, oh, well, it's winter, right? And once you get into summertime, it's kind of, you know, like Jim Dubois loves, loves it hot. Right. And, you know, at least got some personal satisfaction during some of the hot and dry moments last summer, even if, even if he was concerned for, you know, those who were suffering from drought conditions. But so in the summertime, it, you know, it's hard to keep everyone happy. And in the wintertime, I think we take our misery in stride, but in April, when we feel like we've suffered through a long winter and we've earned some nice conditions and, and day after day, it just fails to deliver. Yeah. I mean, we were, we heard a lot of people, uh, a lot of angst among, you know, anglers who are hoping to get out for the fishing opener. That was a big one because the ice has been so slow coming off the lakes. We've heard from farmers who couldn't get out into their fields because it was so cold and wet and everything was behind. Uh, outdoor enthusiasts in general, naturalists, and the general public. Universally despised month. <laughs> well, let's talk about all the ways that April sucked. So let's start, first of all, with temperature, average temperature. I assume below average for this month. Correct. Yeah. The state notches its fourth consecutive month below normal. Kind of depends on where you look but basically top 10 to top 20 for uh, temperatures being below normal. So one of the, not, not necessarily the coldest April on record. We actually, not even that close to what we had in 2018. Um, in most stations, that was a much colder month, but more comparable to what we had in 2013, if anyone remembers that. And again, kind of depending on where you were, you know, in the Twin Cities, it's a top 20-ish month, I think number 15 or 16 or 14. And in other parts of the state, it was more like a top 10, but it wasn't really a, a top one, two or three anywhere. It was cold. We've obviously had colder, but it was unpleasant. And that was just one piece. These, all these pieces that you're going to get to the cold and all the other pieces are all interrelated here. They're all woven <laughs> together by the same thing. So okay. we cold. <laughs> yeah. Well, along with cold, it was blustery. It was darn windy. Yeah, indeed. And this <laughs> is probably the gustiest uh, April we've ever measured in any case. Now, a little bit of caveat with that. When we talk about temperature records, we're taking those back 120 years or more in most places. And on a statewide basis, we can take the temperatures back at least about 126, 128 something like that years and uh with wind we can really only go back comfortably to the to the 70s 
and not with this kind of coverage around the state. But when we look at the data that we have, we don't see anything like this. There were 24 days in the Twin Cities where the wind at at least one hourly observation gusted to 30 miles an hour. And that was a record. And the previous record had been 17. So it kind of destroyed the record. So very gusty. Now, the asterisk that goes along with that is that the new anemometers that are used at the airports, they have a slightly different technology. Most people are familiar, if you've even thought of an anemometer, you picture either the spinning cups or maybe kind of a propeller that looks like a little airplane or blimp type thing. And those are the old sort of magnetic type anemometers that basically count the number of revolutions that this um, propeller type device makes and then convert that into a speed. The newer ones use ultrasonic technology and they appear to be a little bit or somewhat more sensitive. So they are more likely to pick up those big gusts. So we do know it was gustier, but we also know that our equipment is now more sensitive to detecting that. So it makes some of those old comparisons a little bit difficult. But one of the things that helps is to hear from people who you know tell us that they've been working in their farm fields for 50 years or who've you know, been in forestry for 35 years, you know, a lot of people with a lot of experience who aren't necessarily staring at the data saying, I've never seen anything as windy as it's been recently. That definitely helps. Usually, you know, we take anecdotal uh, information with a grain of salt, but this would be a case where we actually kind of need it because there are some questions about the actual data. So yeah, very windy month. I mean, and you know, 30 mile an hour wind gusts are no joke. And having them basically the majority of the month <laughs> really tells you it's a windy month. And, you know, it wasn't just those 30 mile an hour gusts. I mean, we had in the Twin Cities, there were, I think, three, three days, four days where the highest wind gust was above 50 miles an hour. We had a maximum of 58 miles an hour. And this was kind of statewide. We had these days where that winds would gust, you know, 40, 45, 50, 55 miles an hour all day long. So very windy time. And of course, that's related to the cold because the uh, the wind is what brings us our temperature changes. So when, the, uh, when you get a cold front coming through, if it's going to have any teeth to it, there's probably pretty good wind associated with it. So if you have a windy month, you know that the temperature is changing a lot which is true for us. The reason we had the cold was because we had all these cold fronts come through. The reason we had the wind was because these were strong cold fronts with strong pressure gradients. So those two things are related. Well, among all of the thorns, there was at least one rose, and that was precipitation, uh, because didn't it pretty much get Minnesota out of the drought? Yeah, I mean, but even that, yeah, even that rose had a thorn. Right. So <laughs> true, oh, true. gosh, I mean, so yeah, it was a very wet month. Um, the benefit of it is that Minnesota's mostly there was, I think as of last Thursday, a sliver of actual drought in the extreme South central part of the state representing less than 1% of the state. But yeah, the, the drought has mostly now been eradicated. So that's good. International falls got uh, over what, seven and a half inches of rain 
no April on record had even within three inches of that, basically. So it broke the old record by, you know, like 80% or something outrageous like that, or 75%. And it had been 75 years since any April in International Falls had had even half that amount of precipitation. So we see flooding um, up on the tributaries in the, in the rainy river watershed and uh, a lot of far northern Minnesota streams started rising. It's a kind of bog country up there. So their floods operate a little differently from what we expect down here where it's just hills and streams. But uh, out in western Minnesota, there was ex- you know, major flooding on parts of the Red River up near Crookston, uh, some of the tributaries to the Red River. Red Lake River near Crookston and the Red River itself. Um, you know, we heard about Oslo, Minnesota flooding and not necessarily uh, cataclysmic because a lot of these areas have done a good job of preparing after some historic floods in recent years and decades. But um, in any case, the river getting, you know, outside of its banks and all the rain also kind of slowed down progress uh for farmers trying to get into their fields in all but southwestern Minnesota. The one area that actually had a better month than everyone else would be southwest Minnesota, where they didn't have as much precipitation. They had uh, slightly warmer conditions. They were still windy, still mostly cloudy, but, um, you know, slightly better. But but most of western and southern Minnesota was had kind of delayed agricultural field work, delayed gardening work. Uh, as you can see, most folks in Minnesota can look out their windows and not see any green deciduous leaves yet. We're behind on that phenology. So, uh, you know, the rain, the rain was definitely good in uh, kind of changing the hydrologic picture, but is almost in some areas too much of a good thing. Well, and we should note, too, that uh, April was the 25th anniversary of the devastating floods of 1997 that occurred in uh, western, I'm sorry, eastern North Dakota and northwestern Minnesota. Of course, uh, memorable, memorable video of the flooding in Grand Forks, uh, the fire that consumed, I believe, a whole city block in downtown Grand Forks. Just a, an amazing and incredibly destructive flood. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point, Jim. It was, uh, yeah, 25 years ago. For those of us, I mean, who were around then, it it's amazing how quickly 25 years can pass. Almost a surprise that, oh, is it already that long? But yeah, uh, that was uh, flooding that resulted from uh, just a very overactive snowfall season. Uh, lots of areas in the Red River Basin had over 100 inches of snow, and especially in the southern Red River Basin, like in the Fargo area. And they just had lots and lots of snow throughout the area and as that melted and that's by the way 100 inches of snow up there is two times normal at least in some areas even more than that and so they were just they were dealing with far more water than they were able to handle and it all came off in a fairly short amount of time um, late march into april and end up with uh, you know record catastrophic flooding you know that destroyed buildings in downtown Grand Forks and uh, really kind of reshaped the way that that whole region thinks about springtime flooding. A lot of big infrastructure projects, a lot of Army Corps of Engineer um, river projects uh, came after that major flood event. And it's not that everything's been figured out, but it is definitely 
the area is now much more prepared for that kind of thing than it was at the time. In early April, we observed Severe Weather Awareness Week here in Minnesota and Wisconsin, and then we did have a severe weather outbreak later in the month that uh, spawned several tornadoes. Yeah, we did have we did have some tornadoes in uh, in Minnesota. It was, uh, you know, we had an active month. So right in the middle of the month, uh, we had these tornadic thunderstorms. They were mostly in Iowa, but then some of them crossed over into Minnesota and uh, started doing damage in uh, kind of the Austin area. Um, you know, a lot of this was reported by the Lacrosse Office of the National Weather Service, but it was an F- EF2 tornado in uh, and all and i apologize if i don't get taope right the town in south uh southeastern minnesota but significant structural damage so you know and it was a pretty serious weather evening where we would knew that there were going to be some severe thunderstorms and i didn't know exactly how that was going to unfold and unfortunately you know there was even um, injuries associated with it yeah, we've had, I think, three confirmed tornadoes and maybe more this month or in April. So our severe weather season has begun. Uh, the one thing I did want to toss in, Jim, about April as we recap it, just in the general, was it was cloudy and gloomy. And the uh, observatory here on the St. Paul campus of the University of Minnesota has been taking uh, solar radiation measurements since 1963. So that's 60 years now. Of measurements and this was the least sunny or the gloomiest or uh could say cloudiest but in any case it had the lowest levels of solar radiation at the site for any april on the entire record and we saw similar things when you look at the counts of uh overcast days or the proportion of time spent as overcast duluth was also number one in its record. It only goes back about maybe uh, 45 years or so, but it was a very gloomy month in any case. We can't guarantee that it's, you know, the cloudiest April since statehood or anything like that. But we know that since we've been measuring it, we got less sunlight than uh, any other April. And that goes back about 60 years. So just to add to your misery, to recap it, (laughs) it was cold, windy, It was rainy and it was cloudy. And one thing we didn't mention, too, was that in about the northern quarter of Minnesota or so, it was snowy. You know, snowfall in the Twin Cities was actually a little bit below the normal, but we don't expect that much snow in April, you know, three, four, five inches, maybe. But in parts of northern Minnesota, where, you know, it's more common to get maybe five, six, seven, eight inches of snow during April. Well, these are areas... Some of them got over a foot of snow. And, and in fact, uh, really up along the North Shore and the higher terrain, the Superior Ridge, the Superior Uplands and Highlands, these areas got 18 to 25 inches of snow fairly commonly. And even, Jim, uh, you know, International Falls wasn't far from that. They got about almost 18 inches. We had up on the Canadian border or near the Canadian border in Lake of the Woods County and some of the other Northwestern counties. So towns like, uh, well, the, the Norris camp, which is a, uh, kind of forested area in Lake of the Woods County also had, you know, basically, uh, over 16 inches of snow and even Torholt, Northwestern Minnesota, uh, had 
again, well into double digits uh, over a foot and a half of snow. So it was a snowy month, you know, from far northwestern through north central and into northeastern Minnesota. Even I think the town of Ottertail, which is in Ottertail County, I uh, did pretty well coming in right around just under two feet of snow. So it was a snowy month. And that's on top of, you know, the excessive rainfall that we saw, uh, especially in northern areas, but really all, all over much of the state. Well, is there any sign, Kenny, that this pattern is breaking and uh, spring indeed will be on the horizon? Are those signs out there? I think you're already feeling some of it, Jim. And honestly, for folks, you could just kind of put away April. And I know what'll happen is we'll kind of forget about it. It's easy to forget when the weather turns much nicer. And, you know, again, we usually don't really take sides with the weather. But uh, there were so much, so many complaints about April that it's pretty easy to know what side to be on. You know, you always side with the people, right? People didn't like April very much. It was cold and snowy and windy and uh, cloudy, really cloudy. Yeah, there's actually, I would say, guaranteed. All right, so guaranteed we are moving into a warmer and more humid period. I think what's not guaranteed but has some plausible credibility is uh hot and also stormy uh, so the next week of may you know once we get past this weekend into the next week we could be looking at 90s def you know 80s wow. are certainly possible i mean 80s are likely somewhere during the next week it's you know some of the models show them coming setting up by sunday and monday other models have them waiting until Wednesday, Thursday. And then there is some indication that we could even have 90 degree weather, 90 plus degree weather. And this, honestly, what's a little odd is when you hit the 90s in May, it's usually pretty dry heat. But all of these models are pumping up the humidity, throwing 65 and 70 degree dew points into Minnesota. So it could actually be our first really muggy kind of air conditioner weather of the year. Uh, and that's going to be a, a change. But again, I don't want listeners to think that that part is a guarantee. I'd say what's very, very likely is that over the next week or so, we become warmer with more moisture in the air, just a more appropriately May and June-like. Uh, what's possible is that we just flash into a summer pattern and go into the 80s and 90s with high dew points and, and severe weather. That's also possible. In fact, the Storm Prediction Center, uh, we're recording this on, uh, what day is it? Wednesday, right, Jim? Wednesday, uh, May 4th, keep, yes. Keep me straight, yeah. On, uh, <laughs> so on Wednesday, May 4th, the Storm Prediction Center, which is the official kind of national, national weather service office that does the convective outlooks, and uh, that that's where they determine that there's a particular risk for severe thunderstorms. That's what a convective outlook is. And then they also are the entity that issues the watches, not the warnings. Warnings are issued by your local National Weather Service office, but tornado and severe thunderstorm watches are issued by the Storm Prediction Center. Well, that outfit out of Norman, Oklahoma, has placed parts of Minnesota into a uh, slight or a 15% probability for severe thunderstorms uh, on Monday. So we're, you know, getting a little far out there, but, um, you know, five, six days away, but that's uh, a possibility. And so it's something that uh, at least has 
enough plausibility that the professional forecasters are, are starting to highlight it. So next week, I think an easy way of looking at it is next week is going to be a very different week from last week. So we're right in the middle here. We're in a transition week. We're kind of getting warmer. But where we're coming from and where we're going to, they're like a season apart. And, um, and I know we talked about this a little earlier in the spring, how there were some signs that we were going to have kind of a late staying, late staying winter. There were just signs, you know, once you have cold weather lasting through February, the writing seemed like it was kind of on the wall that we were going to have some of these conditions last into and through April. But the other thing that we mentioned, and maybe people already kind of intuit it, is that when winter does last long, when the dreary and cold conditions last deep into April and even into May, that pretty much guarantees you a very fast turnaround. So it's almost a counterintuitive, like Yogi Berra type statement to say that like lingering winters end fast. You know, they, they really do. They tend to end fast because you got to think of it, you know, right now, even though we've been dominated by cool air with winds blowing out of the north and northwest, and it seems, I know a lot of people think that, wow, it feels like this could last through the summer. It felt like, how could we possibly get summer when the winds are blowing from the northwest? But you have to remember, too, that the sunlight, the amount of sunlight is increasing everywhere and it's increasing faster to our north and our northwest than it is here, right? The, as the days are getting longer and longer in the high latitudes and in the Arctic areas. And when the winds blow from the north, they're blowing from those areas and those areas are getting longer and longer days. So it's really just a matter of time before this whole thing gets kind of rubbed out by, uh, you know, the unstoppable march of summer. So that's the good news we can kind of dangle in front of folks, Jim. Okay, well, there's hope on the horizon, and uh, we'll keep an eye on the severe weather situation. And if uh, conditions warrant, we'll do a special edition of Way Over Our Heads. And speaking of severe weather, Kenny, one thing we should uh, mention is this week, on Friday, May 6th, is the 57th anniversary of what remains the most destructive and most deadly tornado outbreak in the Twin Cities metro area. Yeah, it's, a, it's a, you know, and it's, I know it's near and dear to both of us for maybe different reasons. You had a more personal experience and I was, you know, pre-fetal at the time, so <laughs> I have no real experience with it. But, it, you know, it remains one of the most fascinating and complex kind of, you know, case studies of severe weather in, in, in our region and really in, in any major metropolitan area. Um, it was multiple tornadoes. Some of them appeared uh, to cross each other's paths, although at different times. So areas like Fridley were hit two, if not three times by separate tornadoes. And at least two of those tornadoes uh, hit the same part of Fridley. The same thing appears to have happened on the north end uh, of Lake Minnetonka near Wyzetta. And aside from that, these were big, powerful, kind of devastating tornadoes. At least some of them were. With all tornadoes, there's always kind of a, a weak part of the life cycle and even a weak side of the tornado. 
but these all had moments where they were very destructive and there was a lot of damage done and there several of the tornadoes would be were sort of reclassified as ef4 f4 equivalent tornadoes which is just about as strong as you can get f5 is the top of the scale and that's extremely rare so yeah big that was a big night uh what'd you say 57 years 57 yes yeah and you know i think it's also important I, i i know we've joked about how describing old weather stories to people who weren't there it's it's almost like you're describing a dream it's kind of hard for people to get into it or to appreciate it the take home however should be something that everyone can appreciate which is that you know we live in an act an, an area that is occasionally very active for severe weather not always we definitely have our down years but we also have our big years and when we've had the conditions come together we've had devastating severe weather events even right in and near the heart of the twin cities and so that's probably the thing that people should keep in mind rather than just thinking about this event that happened at a time that you might not be able to picture or in an area that you don't call home that the bigger picture is when we look at that and we look at all the other things that have happened you know every 5 10 20 years in our area you come away with this idea that we are occasionally in a very active uh, severe weather area and we can get hit very hard. And so that's probably the reminder for everyone, especially as we turn away from the sort of gloomy late winter pattern that we've been stuck in and move towards a, a, a warmer, more humid and potentially stormier uh, spring and almost summer like pattern in the coming week. So thanks for that reminder of that, Jim. Well, Kenny, good to chat with you as always. Enjoy the warm weather that's on the horizon. It looks like it's going to be a pretty nice weekend. So uh, we'll keep an eye on that uh, potential severe weather situation next week. And again, as I said earlier, if it looks like uh, conditions warrant, we'll do a special edition of Way Over Our Heads. Yeah, and I, you know, listeners probably know if they've been listening for a while, Jim is particularly fond of those warm and humid days. He really likes the summertime yes. type days. <laughs> so I, I don't know if there's a Dubois flip-flop watch that's going to be issued here, but uh, you know we'll, we'll definitely have to see. It, it, things look extremely likely for warmer and more humid weather, and again, at least possible for something that you might call hot. So uh, enjoy, and uh, we'll catch up as needed uh, in the next week or so. Sounds good, Kenny. This is Way Over Our Heads. It's a weather and climate podcast. I'm Jim Dubois. Kenny Blumenfeld's a climatologist. We'll see you next time.